Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I title this God's Promise because it's an incredible promise. And this is a story that's true in so many of our lives. And it's not just when we're a young Christian. It's true all the way through, maybe in different degrees. But I accepted Christ at 19. And as soon as I accepted him, within a day or two, I realized there were certain things in my life I had to walk away from. One was a, an addiction to marijuana, a daily addiction to marijuana. The other was binge drinking like crazy every weekend. And, and the other was porn and all those things connected to it. I never heard a preacher preach a sermon. Nobody told me I had to. I just knew I have to walk away from this. And, and then I began to find some scriptures about God's purity and holiness, that type of thing. And so I did. And, and I went six to eight months never even being tempted. I call it my honeymoon with Jesus. I never had a temptation, never. And then right around that six to eight months, some, something like that, I began to be tempted, and I didn't know what to do with it. I was shocked that I would even be tempted. But remember, I'm a young Christian. I never read my Bible until I met Jesus uh, at 19. And so I ended up falling. I fell back into pornography, and I drove 90 miles away to buy porn because there was no internet, there were no cell phones, and you had to go buy things. And I didn't want anybody I knew to see me, so I drive 90 minutes away, I fall back into porn. But you know, it only lasted about a week, and then I was so convicted, I threw it all away, but I stopped going to church because I figured, how can God ever forgive me? And how could God ever use me again? So I missed a couple weeks of service, and this guy from church called me. He was a mentor, he had known Jesus much longer than I did, probably 10 years older than I am. And he gives me a call and says, what's going on? I go, oh, I just haven't you know, been busy. And he goes, something's going on. He goes, you have been on my heart, and I know something's going on. So he talked me into meeting with him. We had coffee, and I just spilled all the beans, and I told him what happened. And I'm telling him, I'm done following Jesus. I failed him. This stuff doesn't work, and I'm just letting him. And then he, he began to laugh at me. I've never had anybody do that to me before. And I was offended because he's laughing. I said, what are you doing? I'm spilling my guts. I finally open up. I'm a guy, and I finally open up, and you laugh at me, right? So he says, I'm not laughing about that. He said, I'm laughing because you have the idea, the wrong idea, <laughs> that you're never going to be tempted. You're never going to fall. He said, uh, walking with God and overcoming things is a process. It takes a long time. And he ministered to me, and that really helped. But even after he was done, I felt God's still mad at me. I went back to church, but I thought, he's going to punish me for a couple months. There's got to be some penance with this thing, right? But then what was crazy is I had begun to tithe. Uh, you know, that was a big deal, give a tenth of my income to God. It wasn't a whole lot of income. But I just began to do it. And right after I did that sin, came back to church, someone walked up to me. I had a business loan for about 15000 that was still left on it. And uh, they just walked up to me and said, God dealt with me to pay off your loan. Do you have a loan? I said, yeah, a business loan. They said, God dealt with me to pay it off. And they paid off the $15,000 business loan. I'm like, God, I thought you were going to punish me for a couple months. And here I was blessed. And, and, and I want to show you why that happened. I want to show you what God's saying to all of us. And I picked three scenarios with this verse. And so that's just the stories with one of them. But it's so powerful. And I have a big idea. That's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever uh, from this lesson. It goes like this. God's goodness and mercy pursue us in spite of us. Because sometimes 
our problems are caused by us. Not all the time, but sometimes they're caused by us. And that's why I put in spite of us, God's goodness and mercy pursue us in spite of us. And that's what the verse we're going to look at talks about. And it's really, really powerful. So let's take a look at Psalm 23, verse 6. Final verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It gets better, right? After we leave this earth, we go somewhere really good. And what's really cool about this verse is this is not in sheep talk. It's not, this is not an analogy of what God and what the shepherd did for the sheep, and then this is what God wants to do for us. This has nothing to do with sheep. Goodness and mercy do not follow sheep all the days of their life. There's no comparison whatsoever. And that's pretty cool because God did five verses where he's comparing what a shepherd does for a sheep with what he wants to do with us. And if you weren't with us last week, it was amazing to see what the oil was and the cup running over and all those cool things that were done for the sheep and how God wants to do it in our life. But this is, this is not, had nothing to do with sheep whatsoever. And God says, this is just special for humans. And this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what Jesus, your good shepherd, said he wants to do for you. Not that he doesn't love sheep. God loves sheep. And whenever I talk about this, people will say, well, will, will my pet go to heaven? And, and guys, here, here's the deal. It's heaven. Yeah, if you want your pets there, they're going. I'm going to have four dogs up there. So yeah, they're coming. They're coming. It's not a big deal. God can raise them up and you can enjoy them for eternity. I would think they'd have a glorified body up there. Now, some of you may not want some of your pets. I had a couple cats I don't want. I have one I want, but I have a couple I don't want, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, it's up to God. It's up to, you know, or it's up to you, I should say. But that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that this is something God promises to human beings. And it begins with the word surely. And you know this word surely, the Hebrew word? It means guaranteed. And God's saying, I'm making you a guarantee. I'm making you a promise. This is an incredible promise, a guarantee. And I promise you, as one of my sheep, and Jesus is our shepherd, so you're one of God's sheep. As one of my sheep, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And then the word follow is a fascinating word because that Hebrew word means to pursue with a passion. That's why the big idea is pursue. I had to use that word because that's what the Hebrew word means. So God is saying, I guarantee you as one of my kids, as one of my sheep, I guarantee you that goodness and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. And then on top of that, you'll meet up with them in heaven and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now think about what God is saying to us. This is a powerful statement. You and I always worry about what's going to creep into our life. What's chasing me? What's behind me? Have you ever had, you know, I, I've walked in city streets when I shouldn't, you know, when I'm out of town and you see someone coming and you're just not sure, are, are they going to mug me kind of, kind of thing, you know? And, and you worry. And some of us walk through life like that. What's going to jump on me? What's going to happen? And you know what? God says, here's what's going to happen. As you walk through life, no matter what goes on in your life, there's something pursuing you. And I want you to imagine just a hound dog, a hunting dog hunting a rabbit. Are they, are they just strolling around like, doody, doody, doody? No, they're, they're running them down. And God's saying, there's something chasing you down, and it's called goodness, and it's called mercy, and they're going to chase you all the days of your life. And that's something for us to begin to think about. We need to change the way we see our lives. Yeah, we have trouble in our life, but every time you're in trouble, you need to say, you know what? 
Goodness and mercy are coming to sweep this baby up. This baby's going to be swept up. And that's what God's saying. I'm going to sweep up all your problems. I'm going to come and I'm going to do some things that will shock you because goodness and mercy, God has said, they're on you and they're pursuing you the rest of your life. So I came up with these three scenarios. And the first one's really cool. It's kind of my story that I shared. Uh, and then the other two are also very cool. But, but here's the first one. Um, goodness and mercy pursue and catch us after we sin and repent. And I think this is important for me to say for a moment. Um, I put the word repent in there, and, and I love the grace message. I love God's grace. And if you were to say, what are you talking about when you say God's grace? I would say, well, Jesus took my punishment. He died for my past, present, and future sins. And I can't do anything to make me love, make God love me more than he already does. He loves me as much as he'll ever love me, no matter what I do, no matter what I do for him, no matter how much I give. He, he loves me by his grace. And that's beautiful. But we don't have to take the word repent out of that beautiful grace message because repent means just to do a 180. It means to turn around. And so after I sinned with that pornography, I had to say, you know what, God? I agree this is wrong. This is a sin, and I'm throwing it out. That's called repenting. I'm making a 180, and I'm going to begin to follow you. And I've noticed in my life and other people's lives, every time we have that God moment where we say, God, I agree with you. I shouldn't be living this way. I shouldn't be doing that. I call it sin, and I'm going to make a 180. That's what repent means. I, I've noticed, man, that releases goodness and mercy to flow. And there's a Bible story that is so powerful, it has to do with King David. And it's an interesting story. I'm going to try to modernize it a little bit. But King David, um, it, the Bible says when it was time for kings to go to war, it was that time of the year, uh, he sent Joab, the commander of his armies, and he stayed back home. And he, he decided to binge watch uh, the Netflix of the day from his rooftop. So he's on his rooftop. It's higher than everybody's rooftop. And he's binge watching everybody's rooftop. And then he sees a lady named Bathsheba. No pun intended. She's taking a bath and he sees her. And, and he says, he says, sends a messenger, bring her over here. And then he has an affair with her. And they're, they're going on with it for a little while. And her husband, Uriah, is one of the soldiers. And he's a foreigner who converted to the God of Judah, the God of Israel. And he is one of David's best fighters. And he's off at war. And David's doing this. And then David finds out she's pregnant. So he has this bright idea. He wants to cover it up. And he sends for Uriah. And he says, how's the war going? He says, you know, it's a war, you know? And Dave said, have dinner with me tonight. And then he said, go, go sleep at go sleep at home and say hello to your wife and, and then uh, go back in the morning. Well, Uriah went and slept in the city square. And David was so upset in the morning, he calls him and he says, why did you sleep in the city square? He said, I'm not gonna sleep in a comfortable bed when my men are laying on the ground and putting their lives on, on the line. This is a man of integrity, right? He has some character. So David says, well, stay one more day. Come have dinner with me again tonight. Then David gets him drunk, as drunk as he can. And then David says, go home. And he still sleeps in the city square. And so now David's really mad. So he writes a letter to Joab and says, put him in the toughest Worst place of battle, I want him dead. And then he seals it with the king's seal. So here's Uriah having to carry his death letter back to Joab. He gives it to Joab. Joab puts him in that place of battle, and he's killed. So David's like, got rid of him, right? I don't think he wanted to start with murder, but it ended up with murder. So now it's adultery and murder. That's two really serious sins. 
And so God sends Nathan the prophet to him, and Nathan the prophet tells him this story. He said, there's this really wealthy guy, had a hundred or so sheep. And then there was this poor guy, had just one sheep, but he was really close with this one sheep. And the guy, the sheep slept in his house. And, and he says, then the rich guy took the one sheep off the poor guy. And David just stops him and says, he should be put to death. And then Nathan goes, you are that man. It's like, boom, boom, boom. And so David reaped some terrible seed from that. But what's amazing is he repented. It's amazing how God treated him after he repented. It's not what you would think. And I had to pick a verse. I'd, I'd rather not, you know, I want this to be PG, PG, maybe G, my services, right? But, but this one, I had to read it for the second half, all right? For, it won't make sense if I don't read the first half. But I just want to show you God's goodness and mercy. Here it is, 2 Samuel 12, 24, right after this happened. And, and then David gets married to her, and then she becomes pregnant again. The first baby dies. And it says in, in verse 24, then David confronted, comforted Bathsheba, and he slept with her. She conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Solomon. Here's the part we're after. And the Lord loved the baby. You'd think God say, you adulterers, I'm not going to bless this baby. But God loves the baby out of this terrible affair. It, it, it shows you his goodness. It shows you more than anything his mercy. And, and then it says, and he sent congratulations and blessings through Nathan the prophet. And could you imagine if after that, if Nathan knocked on your door the next time, I was like, what's going to happen now? Is God going to kill me? Right? I don't want to talk to Nathan. But uh, it says, David nicknamed the baby Jedediah, meaning beloved of Jehovah because of the Lord's interest. So uh, it's Nathan that comes, and Nathan says, the Lord loves your baby. And, and, and so David said, I'm going to give him a nickname, Jedediah. And, you know, for those of you that maybe have some kids coming, uh, that's a cool name. It's male or female. I know female Jedediahs. I know some male Jedediahs. And it's pretty cool, blessed of Jehovah, right? So I, I read this, and I want to go on and read a couple more verses to show you that God showed him mercy and began to bless his life. And it gets even more amazing to me. Listen to the next, verses 26 and 27. Meanwhile, Joab and the Israeli army were successfully ending their siege of Rabbah, the capital of Ammon. Joab sent messengers to tell David, Rabbah and its beautiful harbor are ours. Now bring the rest of the army and finish the job so that you will get the credit for the victory instead of me. This is goodness pursuing a guy that should have no goodness pursuing him. And I'm not glorifying sin. I'm just saying that after you and I miss it, however we miss it, when we repent, God said goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And that's important for us to understand. Listen to the very next two verses. So David led his army to Rabbah and captured it. Tremendous, uh, tremendous amounts of loot were uh, carried back to Jerusalem, and David took the king of Rabbah's crown, a $50,000 treasure made from solid gold set with gems, and placed it on his own head. That's goodness. I mean, Joab could have said, you know what? I'm going to get the credit. That adulterer, he doesn't deserve any credit. And he could have never told David what was happening. He could have taken all that loot. But you know what? God said, no, I want David to have goodness follow him. And God's made a promise to you. And I don't think any of us listening did anything worse than David did ever, right? I mean, not only adultery, but murder. And yet after he repented, God forgave him. God loved the child from that relationship. God showed him mercy. And then God had wonderful goodness follow his life. And that should encourage all of us. And I love this 
Last verse on this section, Lamentations 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And mercy is just God saying, you know, you blew it, but I'm still gonna, I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna restore you. You know, you blew it, but I'm gonna love you even after you blew it. It's the mercy of God. And there are some of you listening right now, some in this room, some online, some in the future on demand, some, some over in Boardman, some at TCI Correctional Facility, and you think God has thrown you out. Well, God hasn't thrown you out. God loves you and God has sent goodness and mercy and they're going to follow you all the days of your life even after you're the one that messed up in spite of us God's goodness and God's mercy follow us and I'm speaking this life into you again not to make it look like sin's not bad but to make it look like God is good and God's mercies are new every morning. And every single one of us need the mercy of God pumping and flowing into our life. And there's something chasing you. I just think of a hound dog, right? That's kind of like the dog pound over in Cleveland too, you know? It's just, and it's chasing you down. And when you wake up tomorrow, instead of being depressed, instead of saying and talking about all the problems in the world, and I'm not saying to deny them, they're there, but how about just speaking up? How about just standing up in the morning and saying, you know what? Whatever's going on in this crazy world, there's something chasing me down, and that something isn't bad. It's goodness, and it's mercy, and it's going to catch me, and it's going to impact my life, and it's going to change my life. How about walking through life like that? Everybody will want to be your friend because you're happy, right? Uh, like, like, I want to hang around him. He doesn't depress me when I'm with him. How, how, about, how about this next scenario? Goodness and mercy pursue and catch us after we suffer a loss. And loss is tough. And as a pastor, you walk a lot of people through loss. So I'm talking about relationship loss. And, you know, I've walked people through terrible divorces. I, I Just terrible, ugly stuff. Terrible pain. And I've walked people through terrible deaths of their loved ones. And, and then just breakups of one sort or another. And it hurts. And, you know, the Bible teaches us and science confirms it. We need a time of grieving. I'm not saying we don't grieve. Yes, we grieve. And it's good to grieve. It's healthy to grieve. That's all important. But it's also important to realize that God wants to flood your life with goodness and mercy. There's life after loss, and that's important for you and I to remember. He wants to flood you with peace, with joy. He wants you to keep going down your God path and keep following what he's created you to do. He wants to give you purpose like you've never had purpose. And it's important for us to know that even after a great loss, that goodness and mercy are pursuing us. And yes, again, we need to grieve. But I have a cool verse I want to read to you, section. Uh, it's Psalm 84 and verse 5. And it reads like this. Happy are those who are strong in the Lord, who want above all else to follow your steps. In other words, anybody that's pursuing Jesus with a passion, none of us are perfect, but you know we love him and we're pursuing him. God says, yeah, yeah, you're one of my sheep and goodness and mercy are gonna pursue you. And listen to the next verse, 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 uh, verse six. It says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of springs where pools of blessing and refreshment collect after the rain. This is really a powerful verse, guys. And this is referring to the valley of weeping when we have great loss. You know, the Old Testament talks about four valleys, and we did a series a couple years ago. I titled it Valleys, and this is one of the four valleys 
And it, it is a place where we're weeping because we suffered incredible loss. And God's wanting us to know that as you weep, eventually, my goodness and my mercy are going to wrap around you. And, and I love what he says. It will become a place of springs. Your place of weeping will spring up with the life of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. And you'll have pools of blessing and refreshment. Those pools are coming. And sometimes we walk out of a broken relationship, a bad divorce, whatever it is, and we think, Will life ever be good? Yeah, life is going to be good because goodness and mercy are pursuing you. And sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's not your fault. But here's what God says. God says, goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. And then eventually we go to heaven and it's, it's in the atmosphere, goodness and mercy. A bunch of other things are there. And God's saying, if you're one of my sheep, I don't do this for regular sheep, but I do it for my sheep. Goodness and mercy are pursuing you. And I like the last verse here, Psalm 84, verse 7, and it reads like this. They will grow constantly in strength, and each of them is invited to meet the Lord in Zion. And I like that. That's you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But notice how the Bible says you're going to grow in strength. That is amazing. Wells of life and joy. And there's one more verse I'm going to read, and it goes like this, Proverbs 30, verse 11. You change my mourning into dancing. You took off my funeral clothes. Again, we have to grieve for a while. This isn't right after the funeral, right? You, you took off my funeral clothes and dressed me up in joy. And God is saying, my goodness and my mercy are, are going to pursue you. They're going to chase you. And even after your great loss, there's life. And some of you have lost so many different things, and some of you have lost precious people. And I just want to declare to you that goodness and mercy are pursuing you, and they're going to wrap their wonderful arms around you. And you need to look up. You know, of course, you need to grieve for a while, but then you need to look up and you need to begin to declare God's goodness and God's mercy is hunting me down. And God's going to bring wells of life and springs of water into my heart. My heart's going to be healed and I'm going to go on and I'm going to continue to live and follow the Lord. This is a good thing, guys. God's goodness and mercy pursue us in spite of us. And I like this last one. This is our third scenario. It goes like this. Goodness and mercy pursue and catch us after we fail. And all of us are going to suffer failure. And failure can be our fault. Failure doesn't have to be our fault. Failure sometimes just happens because you took a chance, right? You just tried. You just went forward. And there's always that possibility of failure. But what's cool about God is even if we fall, I love Proverbs 24, 14. It says a good man can fall seven times, and every time the Lord will pick him up. And I like that promise. He always picks us up after we fall, after we have a failure. And he picked the number seven because in the Bible, that's the number of perfection. And so it's like saying a million times. He's just saying, I don't care how many times you fall. I don't care how many times you fall flat on your face. I don't care if it was your fault or someone else's fault. I don't care. I'm going to pick you back up. And you know how he picks us up? With this thing called goodness and mercy. And some of us have been in some terrible places. David, we used him as an example, but he had a lot of failure in his life. He had a lot of attacks even before his sin. Before he was king, he, he was being chased everywhere, and King Saul was trying to kill him. And he wrote some incredible psalms 
when he was in these terrible times, and he talked about falling into a pit. And I like to say it this way. We'll read the verse in a moment. Our pits become God's project, and God wants to pick you up out of every pit you ever fell in. And some of you might right now, you might feel like you're in a pit, and I want you to know God wants to pick you up out of that pit. And David wrote this when he was going through a failure, and I love what he said in Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry for help. So this isn't that one we talked about. This is another time. And the Lord turned to him and answered his cry for help. Listen to verse 2. He pulled me out of a horrible pit, and we all fall into pits. And when we're in the pit, it's horrible, right? Every pit we've ever been in is horrible, no matter what, right? Out of the mud and the clay, he set my feet on a rock and made my steps secure. And God is saying, even when you fell, goodness and mercy are chasing you down. They're going to come lick your face and pick you up and put you back on your feet. And there's one more verse here. Listen to this verse. He placed a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see this and worship. They will trust in the Lord. And I like this. What he's saying is God will so rescue you. He will so restore your life after you fail that you'll begin to just spontaneously thank him and praise him. And other people are going to see you, and then they're going to hear your story, and it's going to cause people to come to Christ. It's going to cause other Christians to be excited because they're going to figure out, man, my God, my God, make sure that goodness and mercy pursue me in spite of me. And that's something you can be sure of. And there's some of you listening right now. And I just, I pray for the services. And, and, and I know some of you are listening right now. You're in the midst of a pit. You're in the midst of failure. And I want to say to you, stop looking at the pit and start declaring goodness and mercy are chasing me down. And they're going to get me and they're going to pull me up out of this pit. My feet are going to become secure and I'm going to go on with life and I'm going to be blessed. I cannot stay in this pit because my God is the one that pulls me out of the pit. And my God has made my pit his project. And my God's going to take me from the pit. He's going to take me up to freedom. And that's what God wants us to hear. And some of you need to hear that really, really well. But all of us eventually are going to have a failure. And it's good to know God's goodness and mercy pursue us all the days of our life. And then I like this. I like my future. I like your future. If you're a Christian, you have an incredible future. Did, did you know that God said, you and I as Christians, that he grafted us into Israel? So every promise he made to Israel, he made to you because we've been made one with them. We've been grafted into Israel. That's why the New Testament says, all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. So these promises are for you. And I love the promise of our eternity. Let's talk about it. Goodness and mercy meet us and stay with us for all of eternity. And all of us, uh, you know, wonder what's heaven going to be like. There's some great books about people that went up and came back. There's even some good movies about that. What's heaven going to be like? Oh, man, it's going to be the most amazing experience we've ever had. But I like this verse. This verse happens as soon as you leave this earth and go up to heaven. Uh, we're reading it when it's going to happen at the end, but it happens as soon as you go to heaven. And, and I love it. Listen to this, Revelation 21, 4. And he, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about that. I've watched people on their deathbed suffer so greatly, and it's so wonderful to know when they arrive in heaven, Jesus is wiping every tear from their eyes. And I love the next things that are stated. 
and there will no longer be any death. Isn't it cool that once someone dies, a Christian dies here, they'll never die again. And in their future is a glorified body. That's the goodness of God, a new body that can't be sick, that cannot die. It goes on to say, there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So there's coming a time when the whole earth will be made new. But for us, as soon as we go to heaven, Everything changes, guys. We're surrounded by goodness and mercy, and it's an amazing thing. So that's why I love this last psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and all three of those scenarios. And I, as a child of God, as a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we give it up and just say thank you, God? Guys, it's been, it's an amazing verse. So how about, how about tomorrow? How about tomorrow? How about tonight before you go to bed? How about the next time you want something negative to come out of your mouth? How about saying, God, I thank you that goodness and mercy are running me down. They're pursuing me. I thank you that something good's coming into my life. Are you trying to manufacture something? No. Is that new age? No. That's Psalm 23, verse 6. You're just declaring the word of the Lord. Goodness and mercy are pursuing me all the days of my life. Think about it all the hormones and and all those incredible things you'll release in your body, all those happy little things, and you'll walk around feeling great, and it will help your health out too because you're focusing on the goodness and the mercy of God. Let's go ahead, bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this particular verse. Thank you for it, thank you for it. Thank you that goodness, goodness and mercy pursue us all the days of our lives and that we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you that our loved ones, man, they're happier and more free than they've ever been. Thank you that we'll go there to meet them. Thank you that our relationships are on pause. Thank you, Lord, that there's life after divorce. Thank you, Lord, that there's life after failure. Thank you, Lord, there's life after sin that's repented for. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy and goodness pursue us all the days of our life. Lord, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I just thank you for making this more real to us as we walk through the week. The next time we complain, Lord, remind us there's nothing to complain about. Mercy and goodness are pursuing me. And help us to remember that beautiful thing that you wrote to us in Psalm 23. Lord, I ask you, make yourself more real to us. Make this promise more real than it's ever been. Guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Some of you are talking to God right now, man. You're just thanking him and you're glorifying him. Lord, take this psalm and bless our lives with it. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening and as you listen, you're not sure if you're forever. You'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise made to any of God's kids. And the way we become God's child is by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's the most amazing thing. It's so simple, but you can only do it when God opens your eyes. So here at Believers, we're always praying, Lord, we ask you to open up people's eyes to Jesus. I always pray, Lord, convict anybody that doesn't know Jesus that they're a sinner, because the Bible says I can pray that way. I'm not asking him to hurt you. I'm asking him to convict you that you're lost and you need a Savior. And then I say, Lord, any lie that any of us believe, anybody believes that's not a Christian, Lord, Pull down that lie so they can hear the gospel and accept Christ. But then I say, Lord, open up people's hearts because only you can open up a heart to Jesus. He did that with me when I was 19, and it was amazing. 
So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're listening. You're not sure if you're forever. Here's how you solve it. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. If you're listening, you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's open. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want to accept him as my Savior right now. Would you pray with us? Everybody else, can we help them pray? And if you pray this prayer from your heart, miracles are going to happen. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained, and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins, and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe the good news that you died for my sins and the entire world, that God raised you from that grave. I accept you this day as my Savior, and I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.